Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, you have already heard that it is Palm Sunday. Not only Palm Sunday, but uh, that's how we know it. But for the Jews, they knew this as Lamb Selection Sunday. And here, Jesus comes riding in to Jerusalem. Uh, it would have been a grand celebration that they were looking forward to, the Passover celebration, with the anticipation of remembering and celebrating the Passover with all of the history that goes along with that, the, the uh, defeat of the Egyptian gods, the ten plagues that were a part of that, the freedom from the slavery that they had experienced, the captivity that they, they experienced. Now they are being led into, the home, into their homeland and all of that celebration as a part of Passover. And so as we think about this time when Jesus rides in, there, were, there would have been anticipation, there would have been expectancy. And at that time, for, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to alike to begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five oak, yoke of oxen, and I have to go, I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master, his master. And then the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to his servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. Today, Jesus implores you to come and be with him. To come and be with him. It's not an invitation to say a prayer or to have some belief about God or about Jesus. It's not about something you do for God. It's about a relationship. He wants to be with you. He wants to go through life with you. And so we begin in verse 16. It says, a man gave this banquet and invited many. In fact, all of Scripture is an invitation to that relationship with God. You know, in different parts of Scripture, different times, different people, they, it's described differently. So the prophets, they say, repent and return to the Lord. So there's that side of it. But there's another side of it where Jesus describes the kingdom. And there's other parts of it where they talk about um, the, the wedding that's interlaced through all of Scripture. So whether it's a kingdom, it's a relationship, whether it's uh, repent and return, uh, there is the desire of God to have you a part of this banquet, this feast, 
this celebration. All of the Old Testament pointing forward to the Messiah. And there he is. He's coming into Jerusalem. And the bridegroom himself has come to invite the guests to say, save the date. This is his kingdom and his wedding, and he is personally inviting people. We had a, a friend who sent out invitations for the, their son's graduation party. They handmade the invitations, but they made them just a little too large, and so they weren't postcard, and so they sent them out, and they all got returned <laughs> just the week before the, the graduation when nobody knew. But people knew here. Jesus was making it clear this is going to happen. Be ready. You know, we had a taste of what this banquet is going to be like, the greatness of what that's going to be like when Jesus himself came to earth and he lived among us. And we had a, had a little glimpse. Think of uh, what John the Baptist uh, sent his disciples to Jesus and saying, are you the one we're looking for or, is, or should we be looking for another? And Jesus said, tell him what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And then Jesus stopped and looked over the city, and they weren't ready. They had not prepared, and they had made excuses. So now we are in the New Testament era, where we're looking for the second coming, the time when Jesus comes and says, come, everything is now ready. When he ushers in the new kingdom, he, we are anticipating this unimaginable celebration. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Verse 17. At that time, the banquet, uh, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. They made many excuses. I bought a field, and I must go and see it. Really? You bought a field, and you haven't looked at it yet? I've got some land in Florida you could buy. Huh? How long is it going to take you to look at this property? Are you going to study it carefully? Or are you going to be able to make it back in time for the banquet? Is it still going to be there after the banquet is done? Maybe it'll still be there. Or the next excuse. I've bought five yoke of oxen. Ten oxen. And I go to examine them. Really? You bought ten cows without looking at them? Without examining them ahead of time? What are you expecting to find when you examine them? Funny thing to compare cattle and friends. Which is more important? The cattle, the manger is full, friends, 
Yeah, it's really not too much to compare. Then the next way excuse, I've married a wife. And she you're not going to bring her to the banquet? She is looking forward to this opportunity and you're saying, "No, I'm sorry, we're busy." The excuses, they look ridiculous, they sound ridiculous, selfish, self-centered. They show disrespect to the master. These didn't see their need for the banquet or for the master. And their own agenda was more important. You know, as you listen to those excuses, it might be hard to say, well, yeah, that relates to me. But we are in that. We're in those excuses. That's who we are. We busy ourselves with things other than God. We focus on our work rather than on our relationship with him. We surround ourselves with people to fill a void that he can only give. Oh, so many things that distract us. So many lame excuses that we give. I don't like fill in the blank. The music, the some person, the pastor. I have so much to do. I'm very busy. I don't have time. People are expecting some, something from me. And all of these, expect, ex, these excuses, I need rest, I need to take a break. I don't want to go to church today. And then my wife says, but you're the pastor. <laughs> Way to go, Pam. Oh, Ryan, that's harsh. You know, when we really want something... We don't make excuses. We find pursuit. You know, it, we, you don't even have to have much of a sale and the lines line up. Uh, the, you know, 15%, 20%, going out of business, 25%, the, the store is going to be empty. Free vacation to Hawaii? Ready? Let's go. Free season tickets to your favorite Whatever. Maybe the real question for these ones is, do you really want Jesus to come? Isn't that really the question? Do you really want Jesus to come? Then verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry. Not understandable. He said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Think of that list. What a banquet. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, if you're there, there at the banquet, you're one of them, of course, but the lame, the blind, the crippled, the poor, the outcasts of society. And those are the very ones that Jesus was caring for and told John the Baptist about. The same ones that Jesus was healing. They needed Jesus. They knew they needed Jesus. They were excited to go to this banquet. What a privilege. What an honor. They didn't deserve to go, but they were welcomed. 
Why, why would they go? Because it's a big deal? Well, sure, but they knew that he could save them. That he could change them. He could make them new. He could transform them. I want to give you an example of some of these outcasts of society that I was with uh, last two weeks there in Uganda. The first one, his name is Stephen, Maka Stephen. He's from a, kind of a remote area in Uganda. And we didn't really know too much about what he was doing. He knew, we knew he was teaching classes. He had been through the training uh, three years ago. And then he was teaching a group of people. We didn't know too much about that. Uh, we get little class reports and whatever. But then we went there because his students graduated. 25 students. Mostly pastors and leaders of churches. And so we get there, we find out about him, that he had taken a, every month, he would take a boat for three hours to get to his first training site. He would spend three days there teaching. Then he'd take a taxi and a, a motorcycle, uh, they call them bodas, and then the, to get to the next one. And he'd spend two days there. And then he'd take the long journey back again. He didn't get paid anything. No salary. It was just because he loved Jesus. You know, talking about poor, the poverty that he was dealing with because he wasn't working for that week was affecting things. It was affecting his family. He had two sets of twins and he had eight kids altogether and there's a, a lot of responsibility to care for things. We gave him, somebody from Emmaus actually sent some money along for a pastor and, and so I gave him $100. You would have thought that he had helium in his body and he was, you know, hold on to him because he was floating so high. And that was going to be enough to put a roof on his house instead of thatch. Next one is Alex. Alex uh, was married just over, just about a year ago. And uh, Alex and Mary and their new baby, Rohi. Alex uh, was in a bad motorcycle accident, was left for dead in the ditch. Uh, once they found out that he was still alive and he got hauled around, transported by their, their missionaries and their, his van uh, to the various hospitals trying to find a hospital that would accept him because he was in such tough condition. And uh, they, they found somewhere, and, and they, but he, his engagement was the next week. And so at the engagement, people had to help him stand because he was so uh, beaten up. He, his mind was still foggy. He, he says, I still don't remember that. What did I say? You know, that's dangerous. <laughs> well, you, you, this woman, you're married to her now. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, so he's just depending on Jesus. He's a pastor in the area there. He's at one of our trainers. And now, by God's grace, uh, he is completely well. He was doing translating for us, really seeing God's hand in that. So that's the crippled. The poor, the crippled, the blind. I'll show you an example of the man on the right, excuse me, left. Uh, his name is Bishop. Uh, that's just the short, easy-to-say English name. Uh, he, is, he was in the army. He had a really uh, tough life, uh, not, not really a great person. 
uh, lots of problems that he was dealing with. But he came to Christ, he went through this training, and it changed him so much that he, his family took a, a very big notice. So his wife said, well, if that training can do that much difference in your life, I want to I be a part of that. And so his wife and his two daughters, the one in the bottom there, the shorter one, is uh, just graduating with her um, medical degree. I don't understand exactly what her degree and her doctorate is in, but it's in some type of medical science. And anyway, the three of them all graduated this last trip. A year ago, he had uh, uh, been uh, bumped by a car in, the, in town, and all of a sudden his eyesight disappeared. And he was literally not able to see the food in front of him. And... So the, the team all got together. They helped pay for a surgery for him, an optic nerve surgery. And now he's able to see. Now he's able to continue on with ministry, leading classes and, and uh, really just proclaiming Jesus. Last one I want to show you. This is the blind. Oh, that was the blind. This is the lame. Uh, this is our, our chairman over there. His name is David, David Mfumbiro, and his wife is Florence a year and a half ago, they had a motorcycle accident. There's a lot of accidents. We just know that. But uh, the two of them were in an accident, and Florence, you can see her leg there, was damaged. Uh, this is after a year and a half of healing. So when I was there a year ago, she could not walk. That was six months after the accident. And even until this past January, she was just getting around on crutches. They found uh, that there was a bone spur that was still irritating. And now when we were there to eat supper with them, she's standing serving food after a year and a half. You know, when, when you see yourself in conditions like that, poor, lame, crippled, blind, that you know you need Jesus. There's no other choice. And those four have testimonies, great testimonies and excitement about their faith in Christ and how he has met them and transformed them. So what about you? Do you see yourself in those four descriptions? Poor, crippled, blind, lame. Do you see Christ's need to change you? What, what, how would you describe your need for Jesus to make a change in your life? What would that look like? Is it your faith that is weak? Your understanding of God's word that you would like to grow in? Are, are you blind to what God is doing around you? And you'd love to see that. What about your priorities and wanting to, him to be the highest priority? What is it? that you need Jesus for. Because those outcasts, they know they need Jesus. And they are excited for him to come. Verse 23. And the master said to the servant, servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled 
compelled. Oh, the extreme efforts that the master makes to fill his house. Not only the initial invitation should have been enough, but the proclamation that everything's ready, the welcoming of the unlikely, the searching out the highways and hedges, the compelling of uh, compelling people to come. Those verbs, just active verbs that describe the master's efforts, making sure that everyone knows about this banquet. Invite it. Come. Go quickly and bring in. Go out and compel. It's a picture of that missionary heart of God for you. We get a glimpse of that seeking, calling, compelling God when we look at Revelation. We get a picture of that future Palm Sunday, the time when the real banquet is going to be here. Revelation 7, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, one that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation! Belongs to our God and to the, to the, uh, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then jumping to verse 15. Therefore, these are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb is in the midst of the throne and will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, Jesus is coming. We can know that. It'll be a great and marvelous day. For those that are ready, it's going to be a day of tribulation for those who are not. I urge you to make plans, to prepare, to be excited, anticipate, engage, and seek God with all of your heart. Today is still a day of preparation. It's an opportunity. It's a day of salvation. Maybe tomorrow he's going to come. Are you ready? I'd like to close in prayer, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to this invitation. So bow your heads and just consider, where are you at? Have you been making excuses in your life? Do you see yourself as crippled and lame and lame and blind and poor? Saying, Jesus, I, I'm, I need you. 
If you would like that relationship with Jesus, he is ready. He is willing. He is excited and anticipating that opportunity with you today. Pray along with me if that's your heart and your desire. Oh, Jesus, thank you for the invitation to come. Thank you for your welcome. That you would accept someone poor, blind, and lame as me. Oh, forgive me, Jesus, for all the lame excuses, all the things, all the distractions, all the things that I put before you, priorities that I have mistakenly put in your place. Thank you for coming and seeking me out. I want to I meet you. I want you to be in my heart, in my life. Change me, Lord. I need you so bad. And I praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.